You're listening to Numbers on the Boards with Jeff Skinwade and Bobby Corella. What is up, Mavs fans? It's time for some Numbers on the Boards. It is the week of the draft. It is finally here. It is finally here. The week we have waited months and months and months for. We got microphones recording audio. Hmm. We got a camera recording video. Uh, so if you are listening to this, welcome. If you want to watch it, check out our YouTube page. Go online. Check out the video because we have a special episode for you today. If you're watching, you already know that I'm not just joined by Skin Wade, who, by the way, you look like 10 Shades Darker, man. You got a nice tan. You're looking good. He's man. really skin now. He's really I am, I've been spray tanning. Um, been spray tanning? Nice. No, I uh, did the family vacation, went to Maui. It was awesome. Uh, saw our old friend Don Nelson. And if you guys are interested in Don Nelson stories, listen to the Ben and Skin show on 105.3 The Fan, 5 o'clock Tuesday, and a follow-up story, 5 o'clock Wednesday. 5 o'clock Tuesday. And you're gonna if be you can only, and I'm sure we'll podcast it, but if you can only hear one, you, you need to hear Wednesday. Wednesday? Wednesday, Wednesday 5 o'clock, appointment, appointment listening? I think if you're like us and you know, you've know you lived in this area a long time and you're lifelong Mav fans, you will definitely want to hear these stories. Okay. Nelly won life. Yeah. That's a good tease right there. I'm in. Nelly, I'm I'm interested. I've seen a couple pictures on your Twitter. Seen those pictures. Barefoot golfing at like the foot of a mountain. It looks pretty awesome. Nelly looks like, I don't know if you guys saw when David Letterman reemerged. Yeah, yeah, uh, with the beard. Yeah, he's kind of got a Letterman thing going on right now. It's really awesome. No, it's it's amazing. Uh, If you're listening, you don't know the voice. If you're watching, you probably don't know the face because uh, this guy's not on Twitter or social media at all. I have a Twitter account. He's one life just like Don Nelson is. I he, wish. He said, I wish I could say that. <laughs> he that said that incredible. like Colangelo. I have a Twitter account, but it was real <laughs> mysterious the way he said it. What are you doing with Twitter you know, over there? My wife runs it for me. Okay. I don't, I don't okay. really. Okay. That, is the, that is the way to go right there. <laughs> yeah, he, is, great. he is the ringer's own Jonathan Charks. What's up, uh, guys? Formerly of, I guess, Real GM, uh, a couple different SB Nation sites. Uh, University of Texas' own, so he's yeah. a local guy, oh, hook him. lives here, he's covered the Mavs for several years, and now he's made it to the big time. So we're all living This is the big time. You. I made it right now. This, this is the big time. Let's be real. That's, that's very humbling, man. That is very, very humbling. Uh, so if you're not familiar with John, uh, I guess you kind of specialize. I like how you say that nobody's an expert. You do say that. So you're not Only a dra- God's an expert. Yeah, you're not a draft expert. But you are uh, very familiar with a lot of these players that are going to be in the draft. You watch a lot of college basketball, obviously watch a lot of pro basketball. Uh, you did a lot of writing about the playoffs this year. But your best stuff, in my opinion, the stuff that I like reading the most is talking about these college hey, guys. Thanks, man. Because you have a, a very good understanding of the way the college game is played and kind of the, the attributes, the traits of the players who are going to make that leap to the NBA and who will be successful. Yeah, I mean, I just find it so fascinating, like college and the NBA and the translation. Like, everybody knows the Warriors from the championship, right? It doesn't take too much thinking. But figuring out who's going to be good out of college is freaking hard, man. Especially Super bigs. challenging, yeah. And the biggest problem with bigs is that guards can't play. In At college. least that's in college. Yeah. Yeah, Like, yeah. I watch a big and I go, man, what is that guard doing? Mm. It's, it's, and their it's coaches tough. can't coach, so it's, no. uh, yeah, it's tough. I mean, yeah. they coach for college. They yeah, they just, they're not trying to get these guys from the pros. Yeah, right? but like – Talking to you is one of the first things – because I don't watch a lot of college basketball. I mean, I do around the time of the draft, just like everybody else. I'll watch, you know, like the, the guys in the top five, top six. We're going to talk about other guys who aren't at the very top of the draft board. But all those guys I've watched a, a lot yeah. of. But everybody else, you put on film of one guy and you see he's a big guy, but he's posting up all game. And you think, like, well, that's not going to translate. Like in the NBA, you might get one post-up touch per game. Like yeah, college is still very post-oriented for sure. Yeah, yeah, and you have double post, which is like oh whenever God. you were watching Markel Fultz and Dennis last year, uh, Dennis Smith Jr., both of those guys are playing in two post offenses where there's not a lot of space. So you have to kind of look at the right things to say this is how this Yeah, it's crazy. Most of the bigs in this year's draft played the four in college. It's, mm. it's wild. Yeah, yeah, it is wild. Um, so before we begin, Skin, uh, you were out of town for a little while. Mm-hmm. So I want to give you a chance before we let John fire off some takes of his own. Over the last seven to ten days, as you've kind of seen some rumors and stuff, uh, what are your thoughts on the draft now that we're like 72 hours out? Man, I really thought I would be, it would be a lot, a lot more clear for me than it is right now. Mm-hmm. I'm more confused than I was ten days ago. Um, and, and part of it has to do with, I think, the, a lot of it has to do with the trade rumors and sort of what those things imply, right? Like, why would a team wanting, be wanting to do this? I think we spent so much of the year leading up to it going – 
Yeah, Aiton and Doncic, one and two, two and one, whatever, I the beholder. And now you could tell me that Doncic would be there at five for the Mavs, and I might shake my head and go, okay, I, I believe that. I can see that. Um, and then I think also it's like how do you evaluate the what I would call the level of bigs right after Aiton. Aiton's clear cut, number one. Uh, so then it's like, what do you like best about Jackson Jr.? What do you like best about Bamba? And I personally never considered Carter on that level, but I read and hear more things that put Carter on that level. So, you know, we talk about these things. It's a math podcast from the Mavs perspective. What would the Mavs think about Carter? And then also the Porter Jr. mystery. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm uh, eight hours away, and I'm like, wait a minute. He can't get out of bed? the hell does that mean you're drafting that <laughs> i can't get out of bed what am i a top five pick yeah i mean it's definitely like it's like 40 year olds have these back problems it's, like he's got a 40 year old man i'm problems. 47 you're speaking to me i'm your demo right now john so uh so the the porter jr thing is extra amazing to me that people are still in on him and i think that i think and i i i I, I look at this also through the lens of Donnie, and I know what Donnie has always valued. And whatever you want to say about Porter Jr., he's a shot maker. I think more than anybody in this draft, and I've seen Doncic clips, and I respect all that, he's the guy that go, well, that's the shot maker. No, no to Trey Young, no to Doncic. Hey, they're, they're doing amazing things. Porter yeah, he gets Jr. buckets. He's the bucket getter. He gets sure. buckets. And, uh, and, you know, we've had conversations before where it's like, well, he's sort of this Carmelo-type athlete. You know, but he's bigger and he's longer, and I think he shoots with range more. Yeah, and I'm sure you guys have seen all these different clips. Like the one that I find so amazing is the one with him and Dennis Smith Jr. playing one on one. Yeah, uh, I think I saw that one. Is that from high school. I was at the Steph Curry camp. Yeah, right? it's amazing because one, I'm watching it going. So why doesn't Dennis Smith Jr. dribble around him and dunk every time? And then two, I'm like, he's learned a lot. And the two, I'm like, why does Porter Jr. take one dribble, pick up his dribble, and then hit a fadeaway 24-footer with a hand in his Adam's apple? Yeah. It's really interesting yeah. to watch, but the thing that you take away from it is like, Porter Jr. picks up his dribble and just makes a shot from anywhere. So I'm throwing all that out there to tell you that, okay, wait, we're in on Porter Jr. now? I'm confused. So to answer your question in a very long-winded podcast fashion, I'm more confused than I was three weeks ago where I said the Mavericks are going to take Bombay. Yeah, it seems like this year's draft – like, usually we have the draft figured out by now, right? Like, mm -hmm. last year it seemed like everybody knew how it was going to fall. The question for the Mavs was, would it be Nilakina or Dennis? Right. But they were picking ninth. This year the Mavs are picking fifth. Like, do you feel like you have – John, do you feel like you have anything figured out this year? It I doesn't even seem like we know who's going second. Yeah, I think the two Ooh. wild cards, like, was Porter and Bamba. So, Porter with his health, who knows if he's been promised somewhere. Because the thing people are wondering is if, like, that even happened. Like, that, that, that thing about getting up in the morning. Maybe right. that was just, like, Smoke let's keep screen. him to where we want him to go. And then Bamba's risen so fast in the last few weeks because apparently his shot's been changed completely. Right. Which really throws totally out, like, what's going to happen with him. So, no one kind of knows where those two guys are going to go. And those two guys are kind of the wild cards in this draft, it feels mm. like. When oh, you have, I want to throw something out about yeah. what you just said right quick. Because uh, our buddy Chuck Cooperstein was on the local news last night, and he said it in a way that I really, really appreciate. I've, I've been very pro-Bamba. You yeah. know, I, I love Bamba. But I also understand the fear of Bamba. I get it. But one of the things Coop pointed out last night, which I thought was dead on, is you're talking about all the Drew Hanlon stuff yeah. that Bamba's done. And I know people that have seen Bamba work out like, man, his shot mechanics look great, blah, blah, blah. But one of the things Coop said that was dead on was, okay, that's fine and good. Let's throw the ball up and start a game. Do you revert back to your bad habits? Mm -hmm. You know, that's because true. it's like a good point. he's been shooting one way for 10 years. He's been shooting another way for six weeks. Yep. Uh, so how does all that translate? And as someone who's very pro Bamba, I think it's fair to throw that out there and go, I don't know about all this. Something that takes years to to improve on. Right. Like we saw that last year. Unfortunately, Dorian didn't play a lot of minutes last year, but he changed his shot in the summer. And you would see in the first quarter his shot is beautiful, and then by the third quarter he's played 20, 30 minutes, and he's yeah. kind of the you know it, he shoots it a little lower, and he kind of goes back. And the other thing too, it's like spot up shots on an empty gym versus shots off movement right. in an NBA game are a whole different animal. And I want to throw one more thing else out for Mav fans about Porter Jr. and his back. Mm. Okay. So I used to sit out there when we had Deshaun. Deshaun went out there at the same time before every game and shot the arc. And if you watched his shot mechanics from when he warmed up to the game, it was very different. His jump shot was completely different. And the reason was was because he had back problems. And so the amount of time that you have to get your release off when a 6'9 guy with wingspan is closing out on you is yeah. way different. Yep. And that's why they were pushing, hey, Bamba's shot release is point – 
two seconds faster than it was in college. Like, okay, does that translate? I don't and know. And I remember when they, like with LeBron's shot, they've said his back's gotten better last year. That's why his shot's gotten better. Because mm-hmm. the back is kind of like the, the skeleton key for everything. Sure. It's pretty important, I would say. It's, yeah. it's one of the most important parts of your body. That's a strong Top. take for the pod, but I think yeah. we'll go with it. Top we'll five, go with that. <laughs> it's more important than your ears. <laughs> yeah, I think the real question, and this is something that kind of we can, I guess we can talk about if you want, but like all these centers, we talk about their three-point shot, but – that is really like the tenth or eleventh most important thing about a center, anyway. Like, why are we getting hung up on three-point shooting when it's there's a lot of other stuff that you do. Like, a, as a center, you might take what one or two a game, maybe. And like, maybe Fizdale comes in and man, yeah. you're suddenly taking five a game. Yeah, which is kind of you know, it's I guess that's pretty modern. Yeah, in your approach, well, that's what makes evaluating five so tough is they have to do so many things. Yeah, it's so many things and so and many like, little yeah. things that you can't really evaluate. Yeah, but you guys would uh, you guys would rather have a great roll five than a good outside shooting five. I'm not trying to diminish one thing or the other. I just know if well for my team at least if I have Dennis, I'd rather have a hard rolling five like Tyson Chandler in his prime mm. than I would a guy who can drain. Well, then it, then it's like you got to have two, three, and four who can shoot too. That's the thing. Yeah. Shooting five gives you more flexibility with the other. Positions. I think the ideal thing is you have a guy at four and five who can do both. Right. Right. Sure. I, and, and keep in mind, I'm I'm always I've always got uh, my my Brad Davis jersey on at all times. <laughs> but I go. If we're, I know what Dirk can do. If we're bringing McDermott back, we know what West can do. We know what. It's a Harry, lot of shooting. So I'm going. Okay, give give me a hard rolling guy so those guys can be open. Mm-hmm. That's the way I look at. Yeah. it. Yeah, man. So I wrote this article about the the 2011 Mavs, kind of how everybody else besides Dirk did a lot of good stuff too yeah. that we just never think about. Um, and watching all those games because I went back and watched like that entire playoff run, and Tyson like never touched the ball ever. I mean, he scored maybe eight or nine points a game, but. He, him just barreling down the lane at full speed just always did something. It always yeah. drew the guard from the weak side in or someone to crack down. And I think on. Like worth, it always just worth pointing out, speed. too, like a lot of these bigs don't want to just do that. It takes a lot on your body. Yeah. You don't get those touches. You're sprinting mm-hmm. yeah. 100 times Like a game. that Clint Capella job is a tough, thankless job a lot of nights. Yeah. And a lot of bigs want the freaking ball all yeah. the time. Well, and Dwight Powell, we talked about it with him whenever he came on the podcast. If if you're going full speed and you jump 35 inches in the air, like you're probably not going to land on both feet. You're right. going to get fouled. And, and guys are going to hit shoved. you. Yeah. You're going to get hit for yeah. sure. It's not fun. No. It's not fun. It's thankless, but it's such a key cog. When we were uh, back in after 2011 and the Mavericks went the direction they went with the team, I remember having a conversation with a person in our analytics department. And we were talking about trying to figure out the value of Tyson Chandler's contract. And I was thinking very much in the mode of 2010, and I love Tyson Chandler. And I'm like, but how can you give him that much money if he's not an offensive threat? And he's like, oh, he's an offensive threat. When he rolls, everybody else is open. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and this is a conversation seven years ago. Now we talk about this like, oh, this is just obvious, you know, basketball parlance. This is how we talk. That's not the way people talked seven or eight years ago. Yeah. It wasn't. Um, so it's that's how you quantify and go, hey, here's his – post touches or here his points per game is okay fine how many guys are open because of his hard roll mm. so that's a good point those yep. things matter inquantifiable sure. uh okay so let's get into some draft talk now specifically about certain players uh as always our draft coverage is presented by five miles yeah. dallas-based app where you can buy and sell merchandise locally quickly easily and safely skin that matters too i'm uh, into safety bobby yeah i'm very into sa- are you into safety Sure, that was very good, though. Was a Thank great, you. That was a great uh, segue. Thank like you. Bro. Yeah, man, he's really yeah, gotten better. I've learned a lot from Skin. Uh, <laughs> all of our draft coverage is on maps.com slash draft central, and now it is chock full of articles and our podcasts and everything. It's a great website. Uh, also, time to plug our uh, – we'll get to plugs later for everybody else, but we are having a draft party on Thursday oh. uh, at Canton Hall. Starts at 5. First 200 people there get a free T-shirt and a chance to meet Dennis Smith Jr., which Ooh. is pretty cool. So Maybe, and get, maybe get some draft takes from Dennis. I'd love to hear maybe, what he yeah. Dorian Finney-Smith will be there. Derek Harper will be there. Coop will be there. I will be there. Uh, so uh, if you want to meet the other don't four guys. Don't put yourself last, Bobby. Yeah, you yeah, you lead with that. Yeah. Lead I will be with there. Bobby Corallo. We're also man bringing of the a couple people. players. Yeah. <laughs> he is a man of the people. Yeah. Yeah. Did you call him mayor of the people? Man of the people. Oh, I like man. mayor of the people. Not quite yet. He's still yeah. a couple more years. Okay, for yeah, a couple more years. I'm, I'm too young to run for office. Uh, so I'm going to turn to you guys now because you guys are uh, not the experts. But the very knowledgeable folks, aficionados, aficionados, draft draft aficionados. So, um, Skin earlier you mentioned Doncic, like he could go five, he could go two, he could even go one. Nobody knows anything. But why, John, as someone who I'm a huge fan of Doncic's game, uh, personally, I think that he's the best prospect in this draft. I agree. He's my favorite prospect in this draft. Why would somebody who's 
as young as he is, as accomplished as he is, and as skilled as he is with a very unique skill set, yeah. right, a 6'8 guy who can handle the ball, pass, shoot, why would somebody like that not be a layup number one or number two pick? Well, people just don't believe in his athletic ability. They, they see him in Europe. They see him dominating, you know, lesser American players, older, slower Euro guys, and they think he'll be good in the NBA, but will it translate at the highest level? Can he get his own shot on a switch against a 6'6 defender with great athletic ability? Mm. And that's the question we don't really know because he hasn't matched up with like guys like Michael Porter or R.J. Barrett. Like the best athletes in America he hasn't seen overseas. Mm. People just don't buy his athletic ability. That's what's going on there. Mm. I, I, I think he's dead right. But one thing I, I want to throw out about this, and we need to talk about this in the context of all rookies, they're all facing the same thing. Mm. And I thought it was talked about a lot with Dennis when we got Dennis. Well, you just see what life is like for Dennis when he gets to play next to Dirk or yeah. in our system. I think another great example of that is Monte Ellis. When we put him in our system, suddenly – I remember there were several writers, national writers, they were very anti-Monte Ellis. And I remember telling those guys, well, you've never seen him play next to Dirk. And the narrative about Monte, you can go back to whatever year that was, 2013, and go. You you'll find four national articles about. Oh my God, it's the reinvent. Yeah, Monte. It's like no, they're not. They're putting him in a good system. And I think the most recent example we can see of that is Doug McDermott had played for what was it three teams? Yeah, this is three years. Okay, or two years even. Right, and you know what he did for his first two years is he stood in the corner and waited for the ball, and then we got him. And we put him in our system, and he's suddenly one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA. He's a threat and all these sorts of things. The reason I'm throwing that out there is I think Doncic's lack of athleticism would be minimized offensively in our system. I think, too, uh, one thing worth pointing out, he's pretty much played Euro ball for the last two years straight, and they don't have the same emphasis on strength and conditioning and working out and diet. So I think there is upside there that's not always seen because right. he hasn't been in the gym, really. He's been playing ball his whole life. That's a great point. Yeah, you guys probably read the Mina Kimes article, yeah, uh, which was a great article. Yeah. And one of the things that's funny about that, you can look at it one of two ways. One is you can look at it the Darko way and go, "Oh my God, he can't wait to spend all his time at Planet Hollywood or <laughs> what? Really, he really wants to be called Swaggy LD? Oh my God, what a disaster! I'm not drafting this guy." And the other way is to go, he's a 19-year-old. His dad played pro ball over there, yeah. and if he truly loves basketball and is a gym rat. They'll get him in here, and they'll remake his body, and those things that you're talking about will be. That's the thing. He's carrying a lot of weight. He's yeah. not like a. He's like he's a like big two thirty. Yeah, he's I mean, a big, thick he's a tight guy. End. That's why yeah. I think some of the he's not quite as big, but I, that's why I think some of the Gallinari comparisons aren't off because of his size. Yeah. Like when I watch him play, you know who he plays like. People are going to take this as, oh my God, you're kidding. That's a, I, I value this player. When I see him with the ball and when I see him shoot, he reminds me a lot of Bellinelli, but he's much bigger than Bellinelli. Yeah. But, man, you know, remember Bellinelli was a high draft pick of Don Nelson mm. in Golden State, I believe, if that was if that's all coming back I to me. I think so. And he bounced around the league, and then, you know, he played well in San Antonio. But, dude, Philly's season changed dramatically when they added Bellinelli yeah. to their roster. Mm. Now – I wouldn't use the number two pick in the draft on Bellinelli. And yeah, I Bellinelli is also not the ball handler that Luka yeah, is. Really. Yeah, but he he's not going to bring it up and run your offense. But when he comes flying off the screen, he uses that shot to allow himself to be a far better ball handler. I also mm. don't think he's the playmaker. But well, I'm talking about if you watch Bellinelli, give him four inches. He's draining a shot in your face. Mm. But, I mean, I think Doncic should be better than that and all those types of things. But – Man, I can show you a vast history of top five picks that were 10-point-a-game scores. It's not that outrageous. Yeah. Well, I mean, to stick with the European comps, I'll throw out Hito Turkoglu. Like, he yeah, reminds me of that, that 09 Turkoglu on the mm-hmm. Magic. You see a lot of Parsons Six, in eight. him, too. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. great. Yeah. yeah, I can see a Parsons for sure. Yeah. Um, okay, so basically I, I, the reason that he would fall is partially because of fears of his athleticism, but also because generally you're choosing between a wing and a big man. I mean, it seems like the rest of the top five is – Aiton, Jackson, Bagley, Bamba, in some yeah, order. Yeah, the only other wing in there is Porter, who's, like, yeah. seeing that range. So, I mean, do you think that a team would – because generally we think, well, wings are winning championships right now. Yeah. Like Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Giannis, those are, like, the future of the league, right? Or the, the present, present, the present really. of the league, yeah. really? So why would someone – if you think of Doncic and, let's say, Bagley equally – why would you choose the size over the wing if, if wings are in vogue? That's a good question. I mean, I'd say people would look at it like, who so you said, LeBron, Kawhi, Giannis. KD. All those guys more athletic than Doncic. That's what people mm. are worried about. They think Doncic will be a level below those guys, and mm. they think the bigs will be, which I don't agree with that. I'm a big Doncic guy, but that's, that's the concern. 
Mm-hmm. I, everybody's a, a level below those guys. I, I really think that, like, people are so micro-focused on what is happening in the NBA right now. Yeah. First of all, Golden State is never going to happen again. Mm-hmm. That's never going to happen again. My man. That collection of talent, it happened for one reason, and if LeBron wants to cry, it's his fault. As him and Chris Paul could have said, no, let's roll this out over two years, and Golden State never happens. They don't have the money to add Kevin Durant to a 73-1 team. Harrison Barnes is on their team. That will never happen. Well, again. I don't. I mean, I guess we don't want to get too far in the weeds here, but what's going to happen in LA this summer? It might happen right now. Like, they could have a crazy team next year. They could. They could have – they could conceivably have three guys. Right. If you believe – I guess we really can't get into that, can we? Yeah, we, can't yeah, really we but, really can't. But my whole, my whole point on all this is now, okay, you named four wings. Who who else? Who are these other guys that are uh, aside do from this? the big four? Yeah, there's that's nobody. A, that's a good question. So if you go in any era of the NBA and name the four best players in the league, guess what? Okay, there's so, a reason they're the best, right? What yeah. this is, and uh, you know, let me go ahead and re-push for these Nelly segments I'm about to do. Yeah. Nelly invented this. Okay, do you know why Nelly did small ball? Because he, his, didn't, he didn't have a big. His yeah, big. Not only did he not have a big, he didn't have a big with skills. If Nelly had bigs with skills, Nelly would have had five bigs out there. Okay, so I want you to look at while everyone's talking about Katie and LeBron, which are generational players. I want you to look at Joel Embiid. I want you to look at Anthony Davis. I want you to look at Carl Anthony Towns. And that's why guys are looking at this draft with this many athletic bigs in it, because you know what's coming? What's coming is playmaking bigs. Yeah. Carlisle talked about it this year. If you ever went to any of these pregame pressers, he would mention it. So the whole idea is, man, we got to get a six eight guy. Well, if I got a seven foot guy that can do all the same things, my seven foot guy is going to kick but your six eight. Guys I, I would say the other thing to keep in mind, though, like everyone's comparing Luca to these wings, but I I like these bigs, but I don't see a Towns, Davis, and Bead in this class. I don't. I see these guys as all a step below those levels, just from where they were in their. That's not an college. insult, though. I mean, not Towns an insult either. All same NBA, yeah, same as yeah. I think you know. I don't know. I wouldn't be. Re- I wouldn't be willing to write off nineteen-year-olds that can do the things these guys can well, do. Well, for sure. The, the for number sure. one thing about this is player development, and there was not. I, I'll maybe, but I don't remember anybody talking about Anthony Davis's outside game when he was drafted. He didn't even. Yeah, but I would say he was considered a level above all these guys at the same age. I would agree with that, but man, if if you told me DeAndre Ayton ended up being a top four NBA player, I wouldn't be surprised. If you told me Bamba ended up being a franchise-changing player, I wouldn't be surprised. You're talking about a 19-year-old kid. Has he turned 20 yet? I think Bomba's 20. Everyone else Bomba's is 20. I think Jared Jackson's could be 18. 18 yeah. That could be 18, I think. October or something yeah, like that is when crazy. he turns 19. It's wild, yeah. So and you, if you look at them and their athletic ability and you're telling me, well, that's what this 19-year-old's going to be, I'm like, dude, that's not what this game is. This yeah, game is player know. development. Yeah, it takes bigs, most bigs, like three, four years. Right. Capella is breakout Did year Did anybody yeah. think Giannis was going to be what? No. I mean, Donnie can say he did because he pounded the table. <laughs> but my well, whole point Giannis is, was that. Well, I guess we get it. That was a hold. That was crazy. A it's a yeah. player development for sure. It's a player development game. Mm. And so I'm looking at the athletic ability and the size of these guys, and I'm projecting out to 23, and I'm going, yeah, sure, I can see that. Mm. And that's the thing too. It's like where you end up is so big. Who but, your veterans are, who your coaches are, who your front office is. That's a huge part of this whole this whole package. And yeah. we just went full circle, right? Because that's what we were talking about with Doncic. I think Doncic can be in places that will minimize the quote-unquote lack of athleticism mm-hmm. uh, in big ways. That's all fit. It's well, all that's fit. why people are always like, oh, do you go best player available? It's like they're only the best player if you're in the right situation, right? Yeah. You know, you got to make them the best player available to put them in the right context. Otherwise, they're not going to be that good. You know, the mm-hmm. other thing about context, too, with this draft, because there's very rarely four, three or four big guys in the top five or six of a draft now that people are south. Look at last year's draft. Who was the big? I think Zach Collins was the first big at 10. Yeah, and also depending on whatever you think uh, Isaac is going to be. I mean, obviously yeah. he was you know, had a struggle rookie year, but he, yep. I thought he'd have a stru- struggle rookie year. He's Skinny, not even yeah. close to filling out his frame. Yep. But, you know, if you came out of last year's draft and you didn't get a point guard, you're going, oh, damn. Yeah, I think same thing this year. If you hmm. come out of this year's draft and you don't get a big, you're going, ah, oh, damn, this mm-hmm. was my chance, right? Because yeah, you never know whenever that many are going to come back. Right. All right, so let's talk about some of those guys. So, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., I know that is a guy that you really That's like. That's my guy. I Love like him. his game a lot as well. I like his skill set. Um, but if you're not very familiar with him or with Michigan State basketball, whatever, you might pull up his stats and you see he averaged like 10 points and six rebounds, played 20 minutes, got in foul trouble all the time. So you might be thinking, well, why should I be excited about a guy who didn't play a lot of minutes and got a lot of foul trouble? Yeah. Didn't put it, Like you look at Bagley's numbers, you say, well, he got 22 and 12. Jackson got half those numbers. So why – 
tell tell me, tell the listeners or the viewers, whatever, why they should be excited about. Well, Jerry I think I, worth pointing out with foul trouble. In a way, in college, I almost like bigs who get in foul trouble because they're doing things. They're very active. Mm. They're out there trying to make things happen. It's like Towns a got in foul trouble. A lot. It's like a point guard who turns the ball over. You don't want a guy who takes care of the ball all the time at 19. Like make things happen. And then Jackson, the biggest thing with him is he was on a team. He was on a very good college team. They had a lottery pick of Miles Bridges at three. They had a guy at center who had the ball a lot. They had two older guards. He just was a very limited he – he had a very small option on their team, but he had the skills to be a bigger offensive role. I think he was in like the 95th percentile as a post scorer. He just never got the ball because his team was an older team and he was a role player for them. Doesn't mean he couldn't get more offense in a different system. Why, why did his uh, – and I didn't watch closely. Yeah. I'm just based on – why did he get quote-unquote benched in the tournament? That's tough to say. I mean, Izzo, like, that was like what happened. Like, Izzo played two non-shooting bigs against a 2-3 zone. It was like, what are you doing? Like, they He's was like, being a college basketball coach. Who knocked the, <laughs> yeah. Did Syracuse knock them out? Who knocked yeah, them out? Yeah. Syracuse, and we're, we're watching this game like, man, you've got Bridges and Jackson, and they're not playing. They're playing like these guys who can't shoot in a 2-3 zone. It was – that was really bizarre. It was a bizarre thing that happened. I think ultimately, like, Izzo's old school, 18-year-old, I'm teaching him the game. I don't even care. My way or the highway. Yeah. I'm doing what I want to do. You're on, you're on the floor. That's, what, that's my guess. I, I, I don't know. I love your point, too, about point guards with turnovers trying to create or bigs that are active. I like that point a lot because I think even for Maverick fans, they can see when Dwight Powell got here, he couldn't stay on the floor because he was yeah. overactive, but he's a very smart guy. Mm-hmm. He learned what to do. And, and the one rule of thumb do. I always heard is like it's easier to slow a guy down to speed him up. Right. If a guy's not trying hard and he's like, it's hard to get him moving in the pros. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Mm. So when I watch Jackson, I think of like the Western Conference Finals, whenever you're watching Capella, ISO, or uh, Curry, ISO against Capella, or like James Harden, yeah. ISO against Kevon Looney. And like, okay, if you really, if you're serious about being good, you have to have a guy who can guard little guys. Right. Yeah, and what and makes Jackson, Jackson seems like yeah. a guy that can and he can do that, guys. and he can shoot threes. Like he's a consistent three-point shooter. He's been a shooter. He has weird mechanics, but you go back at his EYBL numbers. He was a good shooter in high school, good shooter and great shooter in college. So you you can pretty well trust, despite it is kind of goofy. Despite the weird push shot he has, he makes it consistently all the and time. And he's a good free throw shooter. Too, great right? free throw shooter. Eighty yeah. percent or something. Yeah. Something like that. Best of oh, the bigs, the best free throw shooter. You know what else is funny about this? And I realize we're we're talking within the uh, the terms that we talk to understand the game. But whenever they talk about big switching off on guards, I'm like, man, who are these wing players that stay in front of Harden? There aren't many. Like, like yeah. oh, my God, we got to get a big that stays in front of a guy that wings can't stay in front well, of. I think, <laughs> what are you talking about? I think it's just levels. Like, there's levels to how bad you get beat. Sure. That's the thing. That's the thing. Is like, yeah, you is really it an get automatic bad? bucket or can you make yeah, it tough? No, I get it. I, I'm not drafting a guy that gets out in space like Zaza. <laughs> Love you, Zaza. Great happy Father's Day tweet yesterday. <laughs> but um, Nothing easy. Yeah, but I, I think, too, the other thing that matters is, and this is why I'm so pro-Bamba, uh, is I think his reach makes up for a lot of stuff, too. And so if he's uncoordinated, which the things that I've heard about him physically in workouts was that he moves fine. Mm. Uh, and he moves way better than Gobert. And then I think on top of that, you add reach. Like, uh, I think Jackson Jr., you know, moves better than Bamba. But I don't know that I think – I think the things that have been written and analyzed about him and the way he moves is not that far superior to Bamba. And I think Bamba's reach makes such a big difference. I will say, though, the crazy thing about Jackson, he actually blocked more shots than Bamba yes. percentage. And despite a, playing yeah, at the From a percentage. And uh, was it numbers or just percentage? Because he didn't play the same as minutes. Right, he played percentage. 20 minutes. Yeah, but per yeah. 40, I think he was a tick higher. Yeah, yeah. But yeah I think he has the highest there. block number since AD at yeah. the college level. Pretty yeah, awesome. Which is wild. I, I think at the end, no matter how athletic you are or no matter how long your wingspan is, like – Positioning matters. Yeah, more. it's basketball IQ. Yeah, for like sure. spatial awareness, yeah. right? Knowing how close he can be, knowing how far he can be. And that's what I liked about watching Jackson in the relatively limited time I did is that he always seemed to like understand how far away he could be without giving Well, I mean, I think up, with you know bigs I mean? in general, I saw with Carl Towns, he was great in college and de- great in defense in college. It's taken him a while because it's just such a fast game for bigs at the NBA level. You know, well, you know it's a lot else, to pick though. up. I mean, honestly and truly. Most players in the history of the game, if they're asked to score, their defense dips. It's yep. true. I mean, even Kobe that wanted to be Michael Jordan, he saw the toll and straight up quit playing defense. Yeah. yeah Kobe very early on was all defensive and all this sort of stuff, and then it was like, man, I can't do it all. Even LeBron, we see it now with him. Oh, I mean, for he sure. Kinda, he makes a lot of plays, but during the regular season he kind of – you know, there's like a, win- there's a window where you time. can do both, but then a lot of young guys all turn on the playoffs, but they're not ready to turn it on yet. 
Like, because yeah. like, you have to be really good. To, you have to be able to turn around, turn around. Yeah, so by the fourth quarter, by game seven, they're yeah. You know, okay, I have a question tired. for. Do you mind if I ask a question? Oh, I got no, a question. Oh, means, taking the taking the lead. I like hey, it. Hey, your picture is bigger than mine in the in the podcast logos. So. For I, now, that for was now. on. That was I requested. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I told Ari on the side. I go, I gotta have a much bigger and make me look like Letterman. So, um, <laughs> so, uh, so if if I love this conversation about uh, IQ and how it relates to defense, so. I didn't. I watched maybe four Duke games this year. Yeah. Why aren't we talking about uh, Carter on the same level we are Jackson Jr. and Bamba if IQ is that important? Because the guy's like a brilliant guy. Well, because they played the zone. They, that's what. It ha- so like it was weird. They they played man for half the year, and Coach K was like, "These guys can't." Without a couple of games, they got just killed in the pick and roll, and Coach K said, "We're gonna stick them in a zone. Forget this." So they put Car they put Carter in the middle, Bagley on the side, mm-hmm. and they stayed in the paint. Those are the games I saw. I never saw him play man. Yeah, it was bad in man. Okay, so let me ask you this other question, because uh, as a guy who was a terrible defensive guard, I know what happens when you put a team in a zone. It was my fault. <laughs> so I saw Bagley and Carter get a lot of this blame for Duke playing zone. I'm like. Well, usually it's because the guards can't stay in front of anybody. Was that part of it? Like the guards were so yeah. I mean, it was a lot of freshman guards on that team. It was four freshmen. They played four freshmen. They had Grace Nell was their one senior. So it was everyone shared the blame. But like ultimately, like bigs in college are that backbone of your defense, Mm -hmm. right? So like everyone shared the blame. But like those Cal Kentucky teams with freshman bigs play decent defense. So like ultimately, the bigs are the first, the last line of defense. Yeah. I mean, it's not their fault. I mean, they're freshman bigs, but it was a concern. But when we hear people talk about Carter, we view, like, everyone always is fascinated by these guys' ceilings or player comps, whatever. People compare him to Al Horford in saying that, like, he might not be uh, an all-NBA guy, but he could, like, make – but you think of Al Horford, and you're like, well, Al Horford is really freaking good. He's like, great. He was, love Al Horford. He was the he best was player the, on a team that took the Cavs yeah. to seven games. Like, I love Tatum, a, but Horford was their oh, best player. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Horford is amazing. Sure. Like, yeah. if this guy's going to be Horford, then he's going to be incredible. Like, right. why yeah. are they – they almost compare him to Horford as, like, a slight – well, it's a weird thing how it's weird because, like, you watch Horford now in the league. He's, what, 31, 32? Sounds about right. He doesn't move that well, but he's so smart. And you're like, oh, well, Horford doesn't move that well. Carter doesn't move that well. That's because Horford's a freaking basketball genius. Been in the league 10 years. Mm. But Carter, I, I think Horford at 21 was much more athletic than Carter now, if that makes sense. Carter's actually heavier than Horford at 19. Really? And you think, oh, man, is he going to put on more weight? They have mm-hmm. to be very careful with that. So. I think Carter has the mental game to be Al Horford eventually, mm. but I don't think his physical tools are quite on that level when Horford was a younger player. Horford is kind of a unicorn, right? I mean, well, yeah. are, are we safe with saying that? He's a great player. For you sure. know, the, and the funny thing, too, is, uh, and I think think about this as we go full circle, we're talking about the bigs earlier. Look at how long it takes for Horford to get his shot off. But the p- kind of people that are closing out on him and the time that it, he's taking his shot, he doesn't need some crazy quick release. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's just not really what he needs. And your your point about smarts on defensive positioning the first guy I thought of was we got Jason Kidd back at the end of his career had about 70 percent of the quickness is when we had him the first time and yeah. he was a better defender because he was a smarter defender yeah Dude, that matters during that playoff so run he guarded Kobe oh more he than shut Marion him down did. he guarded LeBron too for yeah. a while yeah. anytime he guarded Russell Westbrook in the yeah, a little series? bit but you know the whole point was that we could you know everyone's doing all this switch talk now and it's cool but we had Deshaun Sean and Jay Kidd that were switching off and what guys will tell you that played was that Jason Kidd was as physically strong as a big. So the whole point is that if you get a big switched off on a guard, they back him down, especially in 2011. Yeah. You weren't backing Jay Kidd down. It was like backing down a tree stump. It wasn't going to happen. Well, I mean, that's the funny thing, too. Everyone focuses on bigs who switch, but the guard's got to switch, too, or it doesn't even matter. Right. right? Yep. If you switch a small guard into a big, they're going to kill him. Punish him. Yeah. That's what Barkley says. You punish that little guy. <laughs> yeah. When as a big, that's the only time I want to see you be able to score in a post. Like, if they switch off a 6'4 guy on you, like, you got yeah. You can't let that happen. Nope. Can't yeah, that's what, that's what I think with, like, Capella and his next step, when they switch, like, Steph on him, got to kill him. Gotta Man, I, bet, him. I bet Wesley Matthews had our most post touches this year. Did you ever look that up? Maybe, probably, maybe Barnes, Barnes too. Barnes posts uh, up a lot. Yeah, right? West posts up a lot. I mean, Dirk hardly posts up anymore. And Dwight Powell played a lot of minutes. He never posts up either. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's generally, I would, th- I would think, and this could be wrong because guys like Towns and Davis post up a lot, but I would think wings post up more than bigs now. Yeah. I wouldn't surprise can, me. Yeah. I mean, obviously it depends personnel, but it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. That's Nelly. Uh, okay, too. one more guy that I have a question about, and then I'm going to give you some rapid-fire stuff. Uh, so you, uh, your draft board on TheRinger.com, hey, you, you have a great Ringer draft Ringer NBA guide. draft guide. Check it yeah, out. It, it We're is, just it now plugging good. his draft board. We should have done this <laughs> at the beginning. Come on, guys. All right, rewind, rewind. Welcome to the Post Up <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> 
were you, Jonathan? Uh, so you have Bridges ranked like fourth or fifth. Yeah. This is Miles Bridges from so Michigan State. There's Mikael yeah. Bridges Villanova. This is Miles Bridges Michigan State. In most mock drafts I read, and obviously mock drafts mostly guesswork. Some of it could be based on rumors or inside knowledge or whatever. But in most mock drafts, Bridges going like 10, 11, 12, yeah. 13. But you have Bridges ranked very high. So are you wrong and everybody else is right? Well, or, what are you going to – Or, or are yes. you right and everybody else is wrong? What's going on here? I don't know. I think the thing with Miles, so he came back to school and people saw his per-game numbers stay the same. So they saw oh, he didn't really get better. That's a huge red flag. But I think if you look closer at his team, he did get a lot better, but his team changed around him. So I think his, his improvement was kind of obscured by the team around him. So he played the four as a freshman. They added Jaron Jackson, moved him to the three. I think he became a much more well-rounded perimeter player on offense this year. And I think that will serve him really well in the NBA, even though it looks like he got his numbers the same way he actually didn't. So as a freshman, he was pretty much a spot-up shooter only. But this year as a sophomore, he ran around screens. He did pick and roll. He shot off movement. I think shooting off movement to me is a huge underrated thing when you're evaluating guys going forward because shooting off spot-ups is very easy. Shooting off in space when you're moving is, the, I think, the real challenge. How's it? And – I, again, I don't watch it, so I see clips. When I see clips, the player I see is Justin Anderson. Yeah. Like, physically, it's almost has, identical. Yeah. His shot action is almost identical. Uh, and But I never remember seeing, you know, Justin create and shoot, so I, I wonder about that. Well, it's, I would say, like, imagine if Justin was an elite shooter and a really, really smart basketball I mean, that's unfair, but, like, an elite shooter with a high basketball like you. Yeah, okay. But that, that kind of player with that – offensive skills. Why set. does everybody, not everybody, why do a high percentage of people put Mikhail Bridges or Michael? Mikhail? Was it Michael? Mikhail. Mikhail. Why do they I got put, that wrong for like months. I really? Okay, good. I don't Mikhail. feel bad. Uh, why do people put Mikhail Bridges ahead of Miles Bridges in a lot of these? Models? I think because he's a little more versatile defensively. He's got longer arms. I think Mikhail can be a three to four position defender. Miles probably only two positions. Right. But I think Miles' offense is being underrated. That's why I think he's a little underrated. And right you now. would take Miles over Mikhail? Yeah, I would. Do you think that he can be so, whenever we were talking about them earlier, we were like, well, okay, so Mikhail's a better defender, but Miles is more of, like, the alpha guy that can create a little bit, you know, because he was kind of the... Well, it's, it's a weird thing. Like, I think we'll understand Miles is kind of underrated, which I really won't see him next year. He's a very, very unique player. Like, here's, like, the best comparison I could give. It's like, imagine if you had a guy with uh, P.J. Tucker's physique and C.J. Miles' offensive game. Like, it's just a bizarre combination of skills. He's an elite shooter, I think people don't realize. But he can create for himself a little more than Miles. Yeah, I think he'll be a good secondary playmaker, not a Yeah, so, guy. yeah, that's what I was going to ask, is do you think that you're actually calling plays for him to create Well, I, what I want to see Miles do, he can do it all in college, is I want to see Miles as the screen man. Like, he, he has a point guard. He's the Draymond Green guy. He screens and rolls to four on three. I think that's okay. where he could be really good. Okay. Or, like, maybe as kind of the quarterback of the second unit kind of guy, like – no, see, I, th I see him more as a secondary playmaker. Okay. Or I don't think see him as like a primary so guy. starter level guy? Yeah, I think so. I think he'll be a 16, 70 point a game scorer, does oh. well on defense. Whoa. Okay. That's big dealings. That's what I'm saying. I like him a lot, though. I'm a, this is me on the island. This so, is my yeah. guy this yeah, year. So you think that it's just his numbers didn't improve? Maybe he's, he's not a freshman. He's a sophomore, which means he's not young anymore because, like, Harrison Barnes is 26, so he's, like, going to retire yeah, soon. Yeah, for right. sure. I mean, so like, if you look cause, <laughs> because um, – with the analytic models, year and experience is so important because, like, generally players leave as soon as possible. So if a guy doesn't, quote-unquote, improve in a second year, it really hurts his statistical projection. Whereas a guy like Dante DiVincenzo as a sophomore came back, his numbers did spike a little bit, so now he's – Yeah, it's also like, seen like, oh, if you got better, you worked on your game. So if your numbers don't seem to improve, it's like, what are you doing? Like, what right. was happening? Yeah. Grayson Allen used to be considered a mid-first-round pick. Yeah. Well, that's a whole that's a whole different thing with Grayson. Right. His but, stuff is not really on the court. But like I, I think like also – I think a lot of it too, though, is that whole idea of the longer you stay, you know, you're – you're exposed or whatever. There's a reason. I, I would love to know what kind of a playmaker Mikael Bridges could be because I would assume that if I had a team with Brunson and DiVincenzo on it, he ain't doing any playmaking. Yeah. That's the thing, too, with Mikael is, like, his teams were incredible in yeah. college. They're like, why didn't he have a bigger role? He won a national title twice, twice. in three years. Why yeah. would he change his role? <laughs> yeah. Like, they and worked pretty funny, well. like, how many guys flipped over even on those teams? Yeah. Jay Wright. Jay Wright, man. He should be in the NBA. He's a he great coach. He should be coach. coaching. Yeah. Yeah. They, run a, they run beautiful yeah. stuff there. Um, okay. So – that's these are a lot of guys, guys like uh, maybe Bridges, but Carter Jr., Jaron Jackson Jr., Luka Doncic, all these guys we've talked about before. These are the guys who, if the Mavericks are picking fifth, they might be choosing between some of those yeah. guys, right? These are cons considered top of the class guys. But there's a big group of guys that are between maybe like eight and 15 or something. 
where if the Mavericks trade back or if something happens, they acquire another first-round pick or something, they might not be choosing from guys like Doncic and yeah. Bomb, but they might be choosing from guys that are you know the next tier below who are still pretty good players. I know you like a lot of these guys. Um, so in the event that the Mavs do get another pick or trade down or something, um, I want to hear more about the guys who could be available in that okay. range. So. I'm going to give you a name. This is going to be kind of a rapid-fire thing. All right, cool. Give you a name. You give me a couple thoughts on skin. If you have any follow-ups, fire away. So, uh, uh, first off, guy from Kentucky, Shea, Gil- oh, that's my Shea guy. Gilgis-Alexander. That's my guy in this draft besides Miles Bridges. Six-six point guard, incredibly smart player, not a plus athlete, seven-foot wingspan. I love his game. I think he's going to be really good in the NBA. Can you compare and contrast him to, say, somewhere on the spectrum of De'Aaron Fox to Neely Kina? Because it sounds like he's within that realm of – Yeah, he's, I'd say he's, not a, he's more of a Neely Kina athlete. But I think he's just, in terms of in basketball IQ, is higher than all of them. Wow. He's a freaking. Watching him dribble the ball is crazy because he's like, he's like Gumby. He's he's six <laughs> six, but yeah. he's seven foot, and I mean he's smooth. And too. he already he's has all... he has all the little floaters, the push shots. What's mm-hmm. cool about him? He was the lowest ranked recruit in that class last year. He was like the eighth man at the start of the season. And then, of course, course, everyone's like, oh, my God, he's the best player. Yeah. And all the rest of his teammates are like, bro, you're the guy. Like, this is your team. He just took control of that team. Yeah. Uh, okay, so one of his teammates then, Kevin Knox. Yeah, Knox is uh, – he's good. I think he's rising a lot in, dra- in boards the last two weeks because of his position. Mm-hmm. I think Knox is a solid small four. Good shooter. Not, I don't think he has any great one standout skill, but he's a solid small four. Well, he would, he's a pretty thin guy. Knox has got a decent amount of, but he's not doesn't rebound very well. He'll be a he needs to get bigger for sure. Yeah. He needs to work on his body. He's only an 18, 19. Though. He yeah, was kind of right. considered the their top guy at the beginning of the yeah, year. Yeah, and then over the course of the year, SJ kind of took control of that team. And he so is Knox more option. of like a kind of supporting guy, spot up guy, or is well, it's he? just because Knox didn't play make much. So he was their top guy for a while, but he was pretty much just a bucket getter. So no one else got involved off his offense. When they got okay. SGA the ball, then Knox had offensive SGA. Where that was that was the big change for Kentucky this season. Okay, they moved the, moved it around. Okay, so uh, rising name that I didn't hear much about until, I guess, a couple months ago, Lonnie Walker. Oh, Lonnie Walker. He's interesting. I wrote an article about him on Friday at TheRinger.com. Check that out. Check um, that out. Yeah, Lonnie Big Walker. Hair. Lonnie Big Walker hair. doesn't believe the earth is flat, one of those kind of guys. He's a real character. He's, he's a fourth, isn't he? Yeah, he's a four. Nice. Yeah. We talked about the juniors Love, love the bloodlines. Love yeah. the there's bloodlines. a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of digits. Yeah, he's a 6'4 guy plus athlete. Didn't shoot great in college, but that might have been because he was taking too many bad shots, didn't have a point guard. The question about him, one, his percentages are pretty down, and two, he tore his meniscus before his college. Mm. That's why he kind of had a slow start to the season. Do you think where, where in this kind of tier? Because I guess, I mean, Shea is more of a point guard, I guess. Yeah, is Lonnie's a two, a two guard, for sure. Where, where does Lonnie fit with guys like Knox? Gildas Alexander, Colin Sexton, like that group. Well, of I mean, it's just tough because they're all different positions, right? Lonnie's a pure two, Shea's sure. a pure one, Knox is a four. So it's all—they're all in that same pool of players. What your team needs, right? Your team. Okay. Were you going to bring up Sexton to him? Uh, no. I think Sexton means. is sort of existing in the space between that top space and then. Well, the he's space. in the same tier as those guys Bobby was talking okay, about. Okay, but okay, so I want to—I want to Collins because uh, actually Sexton was one of the guys I saw play three or four times this yeah. year. Yeah. He almost uh, won a game playing three on five. What's that? He almost won a game playing that, that's three the, on yeah, five. Yeah, that did happen. Oh. Avery Johnson, guys. Uh, the, yeah. And, Our and old friend Avery. And so we talk about, all right, if a guy, if guards can't shoot, then they're going to drop. Yeah. And I don't know how I feel about a shot. Uh, what, what's the, the good things about Colin Sexton? What are the bad things about Colin Sexton? And how do you project him? Well, I think the, the plus with Colin Sexton is, one, he's probably the best competitor in this draft. He's like the dog guy. Like He's in a fight all the time. Great score, gets to rim at will, basically, the college level. The question is, like, if he's your point guard, will he get anybody else involved enough? Because is he Tyreek Evans? That's the question. If you have Colin Sexton, if he's running your offense, how good are you going to be? Because he's not a secondary guy. He needs the ball in his hands. So mm-hmm. how you have to draft him. You've got to commit to him. How good can you be with him as your guy? Yeah. That's the question. Um, okay, so let's get local a little bit. Avery, local ties, used to coach the Mavs. Uh, these are three guys who played their college hoops in the great state of Texas. This is true. I would say one of the best 50 states, at least, if not better. Yeah. Now, that's not uh, a very good take. One <laughs> of the best. What are you doing here? Uh, okay, so uh, first guy, Texas Tech, Zaire Smith. Oh, what do you think about him? Best athlete in the draft. Sometimes you far. see him mocked in the top 10. Yeah. yeah. Well, you just watch him dunk, man. Like, I think he's the best shot blocking guard since D Wade. Like, he is athletically is just unbelievable. Like, He'll win next year dunk contest. They'll win it for sure. Wow, like he okay. does three sixties in the game. Three sixties <laughs> off alley oops. But he he shot what like forty plus percent from three. He but on shoot limited a lot. attempts. So they ran like a Bobby Knight. Their coach is a Bobby Knight disciple, and they ran an old school Bobby Knight motion offense. So it was all passing, cutting. He barely dribbled, barely shot this year. So it's a total wild card projection wise. Mm. But in terms of fun to watch, 
He is incredible. Will he be better than former Texas Tech dunker Darvin Ham? That's a little before my time. Okay. I have a very vague memory of Darvin Ham. Yeah, there was there Darvin Ham was a six five power forward. That's just kind of who he is, Zaire yeah. Smith. Yeah, Same there was always like it was Darvin Ham and then it was Desmond Mason. Always guys yes. that were just like super dunkers that were like, I would love to watch him dunk, but otherwise That's why I was kind of throwing that out about Zaire Smith, is because I don't know. He can guard though. So he, there's more substance than just the. He's a smart player. Like he's he's making like a lot of really good passes. But can okay. he dribble and can he shoot? That's which is like pretty big questions about a guy to have. Yeah. Yeah. He was he was a freshman and kind of, you know, he did, did his role kind of grow throughout the years. Yeah. He came thing. out of nowhere. He wasn't. He was barely top 200. He came out of freaking nowhere to become really? a great player okay. this year. Uh, so another guy. He's been a favorite of mine. I loved him last year. He went back to college. Robert Williams from Texas A&M. Yeah, he had a tough year. A&M really got disappointed all season. Played the four out of position. He played the four in the triangle. Yeah, with another big man. No, po- their their first point guard got injured. Second point guard off the team. It was just a really bad situation for Williams. Mm. All this. but athletically, he's incredible for athletes. I've seen man. the Capella comparisons. Is that you? What do you think he is? I think that that's who he has to be. Yeah. Will he be that guy? I don't know. It's. There are other stuff like he gets suspended twice this year. That's that's other thing with Robert Williams. But he could be that guy for sure. Watching him last season and this season, because they play in the SEC, so they're going up against Kentucky. Yeah. I mean, they're going up against some good teams. And he can like he can take guys out of games yeah. defensively. I mean, he's he's really, really good when he when he wants to be. He was defensive player year twice, the yeah. SEC, freshman, sophomore year, out of position. Yeah, but he so he's definitely a center in the NBA. Oh, for sure. Obviously. For sure. He can't yeah. shoot. He doesn't shoot threes ever. Yeah. Uh okay. Last guy. This is a guy who is way higher on your board at TheRinger.com than most other guys ever, really. You see him mocked in the second round, usually like toward the bottom of the second round, but he, I believe, is in your top 20. This is uh, Shake Milton. Hey, my guy. Dude, Shake. I didn't know you were that high on Shake I'm a big Shake guy, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think he's, what, 18th or 19th on your board? Uh, He's in that range. I don't even know. Somewhere in there. John doesn't even make his own board. He's just whatever. He just gives his babes. It's more about ranges. ranges. So when Larry Brown Mania was going on, uh, my dad was like, hey, we got to go watch SMU play. My best yeah. friend growing up was like, we got to go watch SMU play. And I saw Shake Milton play as a freshman. I was like, man, that guy, I love that guy. Yeah. And then I know that he had a bad Chicago or what, what happened to him? Yeah, he had a bad combine. I think he's just not a plus athlete. He's just kind of athletically, he's just a guy. He's what, a three-year player? He's right? a three-year player. Yeah, he got yeah, hurt yeah. this year too. Okay. He got hurt. But I, mean, I love Shake. 6'6", six, six, great shooter, really smart player, good frame. Good pick and roll yeah. ball handler. And I think the SMU guys are all really skilled. They do a great job of player development at SMU. Mm. So maybe that's me being biased because I'm not Sterling Brown, good rookie year, I think. Semi Ojale. These SMU guys are know how to play basketball. Right. Out of there. Yep. Uh, and I know you like Nick Moore, too. He was, he was a great he was college. Just, Nick Moore, very, man. He's not oh, so very loved him in college. That's why I was so, so – like when I went, he was so ball dominant. And yeah. everybody loved him. And then you go and you see him. And then Shake is like, man, that guy looks like an NBA player right mm. there. Yeah, he's playing off Nick Moore. So yeah. Shake is a two kind of playmaker, too? Yeah, I would say he can guard three positions, then secondary guy. He doesn't have that first step. He kind of reminds me, honestly, of Frank Nicotina. On, like, I think the same kind of frame. Frank is like a lockdown seven. Yeah. Well, one Shake has seven full wingspan. Really? Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. See, he gets you so high on these yeah, guys. Yeah, man. I, I don't want to mention any names because, like, every NBA player is good. But you've convinced me that, like, player X will be an all-star because he's just so persuasive. Right? Well, you can make I, me believe I do. anything. I, I've had a lot, plenty of misses over the years. That's for you, you know those. We'll but keep you've that had off plenty the, of makes, man. Well, yeah, there you go. Plenty right? of slam dunks. No one's just 100%. Um, okay, so uh, obviously I know you like Shake. Shake might be in the second round. Shake Milton. But uh, otherwise – who are a few names? The Mavs have the 33rd pick and also the 54th pick. Yeah. 54 is impossible to project, but uh, if the Mavs are picking at 33 or if they trade up into the first round or trade down maybe to 40, whatever, because crazy stuff happens all the time, who are some guys in that range that you're big fans of that we might not have heard of before? I like. I think I would want to take a role on a wing at 33. I think you need, always need more wings. Mavs especially need wings. Two guys I like, uh, big-bodied wings, Raleigh Alkins from Arizona, Josh Akogi at Georgia Tech. They both had inconsistent years offensively, I think, in a small role in the NBA. They've got the NBA size. They're pretty smart players. I like those guys as kind of gambles in the second round. I don't think he'll be there, if, but if he is, I think they'll take Wagner. My guy, Mo Wagner? I don't think he'll be there. Yeah. That's kind of his range, though. Maybe a little before then. It's hard to yeah. say. I think, I think you can make an argument that it makes no sense to take him if you plan on keeping Kleba. Uh, but I think if he's there, I think they will. It's only him. room for so many Germans on a roster, right? How many outside shooting Germans do you need? <laughs> well, we have, we've cornered the market. We <laughs> never, have all three of them. never have enough. What right. do you think about Wagner, by the way? I, I don't think I've ever really talked to you about uh, him. I mean, I think he's good. I just don't. 
I'd rather have bigs who can kind of defend. I'm more of a defensive big. He can't guy. cover anybody. That's the thing. Like mm. I, I think he has value, but I, the kind of team I want to build, I want more defensive bigs and shooting from the other positions. I think he'll be a better defender than Nick Fazekas. There you go. There's a name for that's, that's an old school Mavs pull right there. Yeah, I like it. he was I like a second it. round pick. I mean, I think that there's value in having like Ryan Anderson come off the bench for you, yeah, right? I yeah. mean, and that's kind of what. I mean, he's not Ryan Anderson. Well, Ryan Anderson's like yeah. one of the best shooters. Yeah. That around, but you, you just know, don't want to pay him twenty. Yeah, exactly. But Wagner, you know, to have a six ten guy that can come off the bench hit some threes for you, I think there's value in and that. And Wagner plays hard. Like yeah. he, he's a competitor. He gets yeah, after he's it. skilled. He's yeah. pretty skilled. Yeah, and he seems and and plus he went to Michigan, which is great. He's German, which is great. So go blue. Why don't you can it with your? Well, you like Wagner, right? Or skin is not too high on Wagner. No, I like Wagner a lot. Okay. I I mean. I look at the 33rd pick in the draft as a guy that maybe, if he's lucky, will be on a team for three years. See, I think the one thing with those kind of picks, I want a guy like he's got to find the role in a rotation, right? So a guy who can defend more positions, there's more rooms for him to play. Yeah. Wagner's got to play the five. Like Playing the five in Dallas is tough. There's a lot of fives here. There's a lot of fives everywhere. I yeah. want to get guys who have more roles to get into a rotation. You described a guy that I think went 33rd or maybe went 34, but you described Jay Crowder. He was an early yeah. second-round pick for 34. us. And, and he uh, found a way in a spot because he can guard three positions. And actually, you know, from the time he was here, if you ask the coaching staff, he's far and away the smartest defensive player on the team. He knew every single rotation. He knew where to steer ball handlers. That's why he's known as the beast. Yeah. He is. They could, they could put him in, and they knew that he would do what he was supposed to do. Yeah. All right, John, thank you so much yeah, for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me us. on. That was fun. Skin, thank you for coming back early from your vacation. Yeah, he left just on Nelson to hang out with us. So I'm flying back that. to Maui right now. <laughs> Nelly, yeah. Nelly's on the first green. He's waiting for him. Yeah, yeah barefoot. Yeah. Uh, okay. This is Numbers on the Boards. The NBA draft is on Thursday night. Depending on when you're listening to this, that is only a matter of hours away. Oh. It's going to be a huge, huge, huge day. Oh. Look at Johnny; so busy, he's working the phones already. He just—he's he's changing uh, his mock draft. He's right, cha- true. He's pushing I got some mock- intel, intel right here. Coaches right across right the league are just <laughs> desperate for your information. John, thank you again for yeah, joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. We will be back with you guys. I'm assuming sh- pretty shortly after the draft. Hopefully, have the guy that they pick uh, uh, on with us. That I would don't be pretty see why sweet. We wouldn't. Yeah, and we got some other stuff Hashtag for you this content. Summer. Yeah, it's going to be incredible. Uh, Skin, thank you. John, thank you again. Check out all of John's work at TheRinger.com. Check out all Skin's work, especially his story time. Story that time. is what, a 105.3 The Fan at 5 p.m. on Tuesday and Wednesday. Yeah, and if you're not in the Dallas area, we'll end up podcasting it. You can go to at uh, Ben and Skin on Twitter, and we podcast certain things. So. Excellent. We will see you guys soon. His numbers on the boards. Sweet. Sweet.